scripture comes to us today from Hebrews 5, 11 through 14. Hear the word of the Lord. We have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you are no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Won't you pray with me for just a moment? Lord God, we want to be nourished today by the solid food of your word and its truth and wisdom for our lives. And so we know you have a role to play in this. By your Holy Spirit, speak to us. We have a role to play as well. May we be open and receptive to receive. And having received, may we go out and live as you empower us. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said. Well, you know, I've been a pastor now for 32 years, and in that time, I've been asked a lot of questions. Questions about God, questions about the Bible, questions about the United Methodist Church or the church in general, questions about heaven and hell and death and what comes after death, all kinds of questions I've been asked. But you know, there's one type of question I've been asked more than any other type of question, questions that fall into a particular category, and it's the The category of questions that have to do with whether or not a particular activity or behavior is a sin or not. The question typically typically goes like this. Pastor Mark, is it a sin to blank? Fill in the blank. Is it a sin to drink alcohol? Is it a sin to smoke cigarettes? Is it a sin for a, a couple in love to live together before they get married? Is it a Sin to watch TV shows and movies that have sexual content or graphic violence? Is it a sin to skip church in order to play golf? Not here because we got four services, just saying. (laughs) Is it a sin to tell a little white lie in order to spare somebody's feelings? Is it a sin to go into credit card debt? Is it a sin to get divorced or get divorced and then remarried? Many questions of this type of nature. Is a particular habit or attitude or behavior or activity, is it a sin or not? Some people hearing that would say, well, obviously these are folks who are kind of legalistic about their religious faith and they just want a list of do's and don'ts and they figure if they do the do's and avoid the don'ts, they can call themselves good people and loved by God and feel virtuous about themselves and cast judgment on others. And yes, there is a danger in legalism. And Jesus himself in the Gospels, you read how Jesus was concerned about the scribes and the Pharisees and their overemphasis on the do's and the don'ts. And and so we need to be aware of that. But, you know, when people ask me this question, I don't find a strain of self-righteous legalism in the questions they ask. What I see are people who really want to honor God with their lives and really want to make wise decisions that are good and good for themselves and good for others. and, And they know that Their faith should impact their behavioral choices and they're trying to figure it out and they're not always sure because there are a lot of opinions out there and things aren't always so clear. So they ask. And I think it's fair to ask. And this morning what I want to do is 
talk about how to make wise decisions. I'm not going to offer a list of do's and don'ts for anybody, but I do want to offer some questions that we can ask ourselves when we're considering a particular activity or behavior and whether we should engage in it or not. Questions we can ask ourselves to help discern good from evil. Is it okay for my phone to ring in church? <laughs> yeah. You know, the truth of the matter is, what Christians need is not a list to follow. What we need is wisdom to discern right from wrong. Today's scripture lesson, the, the writer of the Hebrews uh, writes to the early Christians and by extension to us, and you can sense a little frustration in this text. You, you can sense that the writer of the Hebrews is concerned that the Christians in this particular location aren't growing up to maturity the way he would have expected them to. He says, you're living on milk, not solid food, and you need to be taught over and over again what what, what the basics are of the Christian faith. And, and he challenges them to get mature in their faith. And then in verse 14, he clarifies what spiritual maturity looks like. And he says, to become mature, we have to be trained to discern right from wrong, good from evil. To develop the skill to discern, wisely discern, right from wrong, good for you. You know, that's the Heavenly Father's hope for us. That we would grow to a point we don't have to be told, do this, don't do that. But that we can live by principle and we can recognize going into a situation, whether it be beneficial or not, whether it be right or not, whether it be God-honoring or not, and we can begin to make decisions based on wisdom rather than just rules. And so, to help us do this, I want to offer three questions. I am not suggesting these are the only three questions to consider, but I'm suggesting we do ask ourselves these three questions because I think they can help us in discerning. You might have other questions that you can think of, but these three come to my mind and uh, I share them with you because I ask myself these three questions sometimes to help me get clear. And so these are the three questions I want us to consider. Here's the first one. Can I engage in this activity or behavior with a pure heart and a clean conscience? Can I engage in this activity with a pure heart or a clean conscience? You know, the truth of the matter is, when the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in us, the Holy Spirit brings the opportunity for us to be guided in our decisions by those inner nudgings of the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit will often use our conscience and our heart. That's why in Scripture we're told to guard our heart. That's why in, in Scripture we're supposed to not quench the Holy Spirit because the Spirit is using our heart and our conscience to try to get us to make wise decisions. And so before you go into an activity or behavior, ask yourself the question, hey, can I engage in this activity or behavior with a pure heart and a clean conscience? You remember Jiminy Cricket from Disney? He used to sing this song. I won't sing it for you, but I'll quote the words to you. Take the straight and narrow path, and if you start to slide, give a little whistle. Give a little whistle, and always let your conscience be your guide. Not bad advice for crickets or people, right? Now, the whistling is optional, but but you get the idea. Take the straight and narrow. Seek to live a God-honoring life, and let the Holy Spirit lead you and guide you, and then when you're wondering about a particular activity and you're not sure, pause for a minute and say, well, can I engage in this activity or behavior with a pure heart and a 
clean conscience. I can remember having a conversation several years ago with a gentleman in our church who came to see me because he was having trouble on his job. He was doing well on his job. He was making lots of money on the job, but he wasn't comfortable with some of the things he was being asked to do on his job. This was a small uh, defense contracting company that kind of just gotten started, and the, the guy in charge of the company who kind of started it was, was a real hard charger, but was doing things that maybe weren't totally illegal, but they were just a little shady, and the, the guy seemed to kind of lack some integrity and do some things that weren't really truthful or, or, or good and had a very, very quick temper. And, and, and so this man who came to see me was concerned about some of the things he was being asked by his boss to do. And he said, you know, I just don't feel right about it in my heart. What was going on was the Holy Spirit was speaking to him. And uh, we talked about it, prayed about it. He called me a few weeks later, said, yeah, I ended up having to uh, leave that job. I just couldn't stay there. But he said, but you know, it was hard to walk away from all that money, but I sleep so much better at night. See what happened? He asked the question, can I engage in this behavior with a pure heart and a clean conscience? And when the answer was no, he had the courage to act on his convictions. There are times in your life and in my life where we'll be tested in this way. Because you really don't know how much you believe something until you have to make a decision based on that belief. And if we believe that the Holy Spirit speaks to us and leads us and guides us, then there are going to be times when the Holy Spirit is going to ask us to do things that are going to require us to make tough decisions. Amen? That's one of the reasons why I really encourage people to, to study the Scriptures and come to church and pray and worship because that's how the Holy Spirit calibrates our heart and our conscience. Because... What the Bible also cautions us about is if we ignore our heart and our conscience, if we quench the Holy Spirit, if we do what we want to do because we want to do it and don't consider what the Lord is trying to say to us, over time our heart gets hard and our conscience gets warped. You know why you see people sometimes who do things that are so incredibly wrong and you know they're wrong and you think, how could they do that? Well, they let their heart grow hard. They let their conscience get warped. And that internal compass is no longer pointing true north. And so they're just, they're in a state of deception. And a lot of times they don't even see it. Because they've learned to tell themselves those rational lies that allow us to rationalize our behavior. But when you ask this question, can I engage in this behavior with a pure heart and a clear conscience? That gives the Holy Spirit an opportunity to speak. And if we listen, we might find that the Spirit is a reliable and trustworthy guide. So that's the first question. Here's the second question. Would engaging in this activity or behavior, even if it's not wrong or bad, would would engaging in it expose me to an area of temptation where I know I'm already vulnerable? Right? It's not that the activity itself is bad or the behavior itself is bad, but it can lead you down a path towards temptation where you know you're already weak and vulnerable. Let's be clear about this, friends. We all have our areas of vulnerability to sin and temptation, don't we? It's not the same for each of us, but it's true of all of us. Superman had his kryptonite. Remember Superman? Faster than a speeding bullet or powerful than a locomotive, able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. Bullets bounced off his chest. He was amazing. He could bend metal with his bare hands. But you get him around kryptonite, and he becomes weak and vulnerable, loses his power. 
What's your kryptonite? We've all got it. For some, it's sex. For some, it's money. For some, it's power. For some, it's comfort and security. For some people, it's applause and acclaim. For some, it's alcohol or drugs. We all have areas where we're vulnerable to temptation. And a wise Christian will be self-aware and not allow themselves to engage in behaviors that on the surface may not be necessarily bad or wrong, but those behaviors can lead you down a path to where you know you're going to be vulnerable to temptation. One of the great uh, research experiments back in the early 70s was the Stanford University marshmallow test. You ever hear about this? It involved little children and marshmallows. And it was really a study of how people make decisions and willpower and the ability to discipline yourself. And uh, there's a variety of these different tests, but one test in particular that I find really interesting, they, they, they would bring a, a young child under the age of seven into a room with a table and they'd have the child sit in a chair and then right in front of them on the table would be a plate and on the plate would be a marshmallow. And uh, the researchers would say, you can eat that marshmallow, but not yet. Wait till we get back. We've got to leave for a minute, but when we come back, then you can have the marshmallow. And they would leave and they'd go to uh, behind the secret one-way glass and they would observe to see what the children would do, how they would resist eating the marshmallow till the researchers came back in the room and it was fascinating. Many of the children couldn't wait. And it was interesting how most of them didn't just pick up the marshmallow and eat it. They started by looking at it, picking it up, smelling it, licking it a little bit, just taking a teeny bite. And before long, that whole thing was in their mouth and gone. Right? They, they just couldn't resist. But the, the researchers found there was one group of children that were able to resist the marshmallow because of the way they chose to behave when the researchers left the room. Instead of looking at that marshmallow and touching it and licking it and doing all that, instead they would avoid the marshmallow. They'd look away. There were, there were books and toys in the room, so they'd get up from the chair and they'd go play with the toys and look at the books. In other words, researchers figured out the way... You overcome temptation in your life is to get away from the temptation. Walk away from the marshmallow. Don't look at the marshmallow. Don't lick the marshmallow or smell the marshmallow because when you do, you're taking little steps that lead to your place of vulnerability. So, what's your marshmallow? What's your kryptonite? Be aware. And recognize how sin and temptation works in our lives. Getting us to take innocent decisions at first that may not be bad, but then they'll lead to another decision that leads to another decision. And little by little, we find ourselves going down a path that will lead us to a place where we will be vulnerable. Hey, there is nothing sinful about going to happy hour with your friends after work, if you're an adult of legal drinking age, and having a beer. Nothing wrong with that. When was the last time you heard a preacher say that, by the way? But uh, no, 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 seriously. Nothing wrong with that. Unless you've got a drinking problem, right? Now all of a sudden you are putting yourself... Now you're looking at the marshmallow, right? Nothing wrong with connecting with an old friend on Facebook. Maybe somebody you had a crush on back in high school and just catching up a little bit. Hey, how you doing? Uh, you know, nothing wrong with that. Unless the conversation starts to turn a little flirtatious. 
And suddenly you find yourself thinking and wondering and responding. And then you are headed down a road that leads to your place of vulnerability. Nothing wrong with going to Las Vegas, watch a show, maybe play a little bit of the slots. When was the last time you heard a preacher say that, right? (laughs) Maybe nothing wrong with that unless you got a gambling problem. Then you need to stay away, right? See, see, nobody wakes up one morning and says, I think I'm going to just ruin my life today. Nobody does that. (laughs) And yet every day people ruin their lives by choices and decisions they make, sacrificing the, the things they love the most for lesser things, and often they wonder, how did I get here? And I can tell you, after working with lots of people, how you get there. One little decision at a time. That on its surface doesn't look like a bad decision. Doesn't look like a terrible thing. Doesn't look like it's that big a deal. But over time, one decision leads to another decision, leads to another decision until you are making decisions that ruin your life. You put yourself in a position where you're vulnerable to temptation. So, before you get there, ask the question, can I engage in this activity or behavior with a pure heart and a clean conscience and... Engaging this behavior, will it lead me down a road to a place where I am vulnerable to temptation? One last question. If I engage in this activity or behavior, will I be setting a good example for others to follow and honoring the Lord Jesus Christ? Will I be setting a good example for others to follow and will I be honoring Jesus Christ? One of the questions my mom used to say, ask yourself this. If everybody did what I chose to do, would that be a good thing or a bad thing, right? Am I setting a good example for others to follow? And am I honoring Jesus Christ? Because here's the deal, as a Christian, like it or not, as Christians, we're role models. That's part of the deal. We're to be representing Jesus Christ in this life to other people. You may be the only Bible somebody else reads, right? People often make their decision about Jesus by looking at Christians, Look at this passage from 1 Timothy 4.2. Let's read this out loud together. Be an example for others in the way you live your life, giving honor to Jesus Christ. Colossians 3.17 puts it this way. Whatever you do, whatever you do, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look, the truth is we won't be perfect role models. We're all sinners. We all fall short, right? So we should recognize that. But let's... Let's not use that as an excuse to ignore our responsibility to be ambassadors for Christ, as Paul tells us. Because here's the truth. You and I will leave a legacy behind when our life is over. And that legacy will be one of two things. We'll either be an example for others to follow or a warning for others to heed. So ask yourself the question. Do I want to be an example or a warning? You know, sometimes I come across Christians who have this sort of this attitude that says, look, I don't need to live up to somebody else's expectations. I, I'm going to live life my way, do my thing. And if other people don't like it, that's their problem. They're just a bunch of judgmental hypocrites. Look, I understand that sentiment. I do. We shouldn't be slaves to other people's opinions of us. And God doesn't want us all to be cookie cutter Christians. And, and we don't want to deny our uniqueness. Right? We don't have to fit somebody's stereotype. But but let's also remember, on the other side of that coin, we are called to be examples. 
1 Corinthians 16.9 says, You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your life. We are no longer our own, friends. We belong to the Lord. And what you do is not just your business. And what I do is not just my business. What you and I choose to do reflects the one who gave himself up for us. Before I get ugly with the server at the restaurant who brought me mashed potatoes instead of french fries like I ordered, before I scream a harsh word on the sideline of my child's soccer game, before I hit send on that snarky email that I just wrote, before I extend uh, an unkind gesture to the guy who cut me off on the highway, Before I step up to the microphone and spew out venom at the contentious homeowners association meeting, it's a good idea for me to step back and ask the question, am I about to be an example or a warning? Having lived this life, what we discover is we're living in difficult times, challenging times. The line between right and wrong is sometimes blurry. We're not always clear. There's plenty of opinions. And, and what we don't need is a, a list of official do's and don'ts to guide our lives. What we do need is wisdom to discern and principles to live by so we can develop spiritual maturity. And uh, these three questions can help us. And again, they're not the only questions, but I still think they're helpful. Can I engage in this activity or behavior with a clean heart and a a pure heart and a clean conscience. Can, can, if I engage in this activity or behavior, will it expose me to an area of temptation where I'm already vulnerable? And if I engage in this activity and behavior, am I setting a good example that honors the Lord Jesus Christ? These three questions may not eliminate all the confusion, but they will cut through the fog and allow us to live more faithfully. Now here's the bottom line, friends. We all fall short. Don't we? We all mess up. We all make bad choices and decisions sometimes. Aren't you thankful that Jesus died on the cross for our sin? And aren't you thankful we can be part of a church where we don't condemn one another, throw rocks at one another, but we celebrate the fact that we are forgiven and God's grace is sufficient for us? That's all good. And let's celebrate that. But let's also remember that following Jesus... It's supposed to make a difference in the decisions we make. The past can be a school rather than a prison. But once we learn the lessons, we need to make a different set of decisions moving forward so that when this life is over, we'll look back and we'll experience the joy of knowing that we were a blessing to others. We honored the Lord. And we were an example instead of a warning.